0: The you- like Eascape yeah. yeah. Podcast. podcast.
1: The Youscape podcast.
0: Oh,
2: hello, all our wonderful Youth Ministry tribe people, near and far, listening live, listening in many years to come. Welcome to the Youthscape podcast with me, Rachel Gardner, and... And me, Martin Saunders. We are going to lead with some really important news.
1: Of course, that this week we had to make the very sad announcement that the National Youth Ministry Weekend yes. is not taking place.
2: yes. November. it is sad it is a very sad I mean probably nobody was surprised because of the state of it, where, where everything's at but yeah. it is sad it is sad because I think we've all although we loved yeah, the youth ministry tribe we love nothing better than something slightly grungy so we love grungy you know kind of conferences in grungy places but we, we, we were getting quite addicted to the Vox weren't we like all the shiny staircases and the, you know, takeaways on demand and lots of fans from different bands milling around. So I think, yeah, it's, we're going to miss it, aren't we? We're going to miss that space. But it's going to be in the following year, isn't it? It is.
1: Yes. It's back. Yes. Uh, uh, November 12th to the 14th, 2021. It's booked. absolutely happening. Uh, absolutely. And yeah. it's going to happen then.
2: Now what can people do, Martin? Because actually genuinely some people yeah. have pre-booked tickets and they've yes. kind of got themselves organized for it so, yeah. so
1: what- it's a bit of a financial hit for us as youthscape, as you might imagine, and so uh, we are going to do our best to weather that. We are not we don't feel comfortable asking people for financial support we don't feel comfortable asking people to gift us the value of their tickets because that's uh, for lots of reasons we don't think that's what we want to do. Um, But there are some practical ways you can help us because we do have to, for a start, we have to pay for the venue and we have to pay for it now. Um, Mm -hmm. So so actually, really practically, if you were prepared to hold over your tickets rather than claim a refund and then rebook, that would massively help us because it would mean we didn't have to pay out loads of refunds and then still find all the money to hire the box. Um, So uh, if you have already got a ticket, if you wouldn't mind holding on to it, that would be amazing. And if you've already got a reservation, but you've been waiting to see whether we made this sort of announcement and yes, you haven't yes. booked, if you would be prepared to just hold that reservation over uh, until next year, again, that would really help us. Uh, that would save us many thousands of pounds uh, if people didn't do that. So um, I understand lots, well, lots of people for lots of reasons will need to ask for refunds. That's absolutely fine. No questions asked. Um, but, uh, but if you can, then it would be wonderful if you could um, hold over your tickets or reservations until next year. Thank you.
2: So the, so the message is, we love you. These are tough times. Hold steady. It's going to happen. We will meet again in those glorious swanky loos as i refer to them and when we meet again in the glorious swanky loos in the box we'll be so glad that we held steady and held on to our tickets so brilliant wonderful we can all do that i reckon no problem i know that i've pre-booked some tickets so basically martin my own share at the beginning of the podcast which you have to back me up on you have you have to bring your equivalent minging story okay it's right now it is about five o'clock in the afternoon <laughs> As I sat down to do this interview with you, chat with you, I suddenly realized that underneath the outdoor clothes that I'm wearing all day is my pajamas because I got up quite early this morning and thought, quick, I need to be somewhere really quick. So I put my clothes on over the top of my pajamas and I have not resolved that Uh stitch all day. I've not been indoors all day, Martin. I've been to the local shops. I've delivered food packages. I've had a socially distanced meeting about the roadmap for our food
1: bank. Good job. I've... It was socially distanced.
2: So I have been in a number of places where I should be more adequately dressed. I mean, I'm covered. It's yeah. just underneath this top layer of my pajamas.
1: Are you? Did you uh, at put any no. attempt to wash or shower? No. Oh, not even deodorant?
2: No, I not got the on. What I'm you've like, essentially
1: I'm... done is you're like it's okay everyone's 2 meters away. It's their fault if they get too close.
2: I think I'm seeing that it's like the gateway drug. I'm, I think there was a moment in lockdown where maybe I didn't do the thing that I normally do in the morning. And I was like, oh, the sun still rose and I didn't put my lippy on. And I suddenly, I've gone, this is great. Like, this is me, really. So I have, I'm going to emerge quite minging. So I'm going to have to like have a sharp talk with myself. On this podcast, because we have, at the beginning of lockdown, we were doing this twice a week and about three people very kindly, out of pity, listened to the double whammy um but throughout lockdown we've definitely kind of been on a journey of I think exploring the the depths of the places that our psyche goes to and I do remember one conversation with you Martin when we talked about what how will we emerge from lockdown I think I think we had our worthiness on I think I seem to remember us talking quite profoundly about all these great lockdown lessons the reality is nothing the only thing that's emerging is just how disgusting my daily routine just, is just
1: okay. going to emerge smellier <laughs> smellier <laughs> how we'll emerge
2: oh thank the lord that youth ministry is online right now otherwise i definitely would lose all the... <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, might I, have, to.
1: I have done i'll tell you something i have done zoom meetings in various states of uh of lower half undress
2: yeah, I have, no, I have not done that yet. I have you've done, done that. Have you? I've
1: done have, meetings. That's a
2: Russian roulette. That one is, isn't it? It is
1: because right. if, if I'd had to jump up for any reason to answer the door or something trouble. like that, but <laughs> I've done I've done a couple of meetings because the uh, the teenagers' bedroom that I broadcast and do all my work from uh, nice. is also is also next to the shower, so it does allow me the the, the scenario where I can uh, leave it to the absolute last minute before a yes. Zoom. To make myself look presentable. And so shower and then go on the call. And I've, you know, I've dialed into calls as I'm pulling a T-shirt on. Oh my, yes. Yes.
2: I have taken
1: some risks.
2: Anyway, we are here to talk, lovely friends, about youth ministry. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. That's what we're here to talk about. I forgot about that. I've been having some very interesting conversations recently with, with, um, Definitely, lots more church leaders who, as they are adopting the word "pivot," and I said, Come on, <laughs> come on! Um, you, you know so- how much
1: I hate that word, Rachel. I, know. I can't believe you're leading with it.
2: I am. I am infecting uh, <sighs> every church roadmap with the phrase "pivot younger." So <sighs> I these wonderful leaders yesterday. You've got, like, there's got to be, like, this massive overhaul. Now is the time. Now is the time to grab the moment. So am I just feeling that, Martin, or do you get a a sense that, that genuinely there are church leaders out there in the beautiful ether who, who genuinely, because of lockdown and all the, you know, the terrible stuff that's gone with it, we're not like getting excited about that, but actually are saying, oh, there is an opportunity to recast the vision and strategy of our church. And, and, and we could like get rid of the nasty notice board with endless bits of paper and the plastic flowers. And we can actually say, no, we're going to look different. Have you, are you picking up on that? Or is that just my wishful well, thinking?
1: Uh, there is. I mean, I'm struggling to get past your use of my least favourite buzzword, but we'll, we'll <laughs> leave it there. <laughs> but um, I think there's all sorts of things going on. So yeah. um, there will be some people who, for, for them over this time, we haven't had this conversation at all actually on the podcast, for shame. Um, for some people, the, the inability to actually worship in a building yeah. has been profoundly difficult and important to them. And I actually, somebody said to me the other, the other day, it was a real off the cuff remark, some, a, a friend of mine who's in a, uh, a part of an Anglo-Catholic tradition church actually, mm. just said, you know, surely the, for me, the body of Christ is, is seen mo- in most fullness of all as both a building and a bo- uh, and people. Like there's mm-hmm. something really amazing that happens when those two things come together, a reverent space in which people have prayed for hundreds of years mm-hmm. that somehow carries those prayers. And then a, um, and th- then like the people of God, mm-hmm. the body of Christ. And I think we, we haven't talked enough about that. And I'm sorry, mm-hmm. we haven't talked about that enough. And we, and I, I want to add a bit of value to that. I think that's, that's not to mm-hmm. be as many people have, many people have been far too dismissive of that. And, and that's not Okay. So some people have kind of just struggling with that conversation of like, what does it mean for us to to worship in a physical building when we can't be in the physical building together? Um, And then some people, I think, are probably just asking. I know a church locally, fairly locally to us, so you can't identify it. Um, That is just cannot wait. They have stated this from the start. They cannot wait to return to the way things were. A absent, mm-hmm. This is a progressive-ish, yeah. you know, yeah. large, yeah. charismatic evangelical church. Um,
2: in the Rygate area. So that in, the, it in, right
1: in, <laughs> in the Surrey area.
2: Surrey and south of London, south of Preston area. In the south
1: of England. <laughs> uh, but they have said, yeah. we are so done with all of this computer stuff oh, and we, are just, yeah. we just cannot wait to get back yeah. to the things yeah. they were. And then there are some people who are like, do you know what? We're just going to be from now on, we're going to be an online community with a physical mm-hmm. building somewhere. Mm-hmm. And then there's like everybody in between. And I guess what you're talking about is that the average church, which I'm not, I'm not sure it really exists. But <laughs> is, is Are there kind of some people who find themselves somewhere on that c- continuum who are saying, do we need to think again about how we do you, uh, how we do church and yes. how we engage all ages in that?" Is, especially or including young people. Yes. yes. Uh, and I think probably there are a lot of the, I think there's people in every single one of those camps.
2: Yes, and I think, and I am, I thank you so much for saying that because it is so important to say that space does matter. If it didn't matter, we wouldn't care about the fact that, you know, Mm. we've got paint peeling off our walls and want to paint it. My hunch is that, obviously, churches have been shut, but lots of church workers will be accessing churches all the time. They'll be doing services from that. And my hunch is that a number of church leaders have been walking around let's face it, a cold, unheated building Mm. with nobody in it and they've kind of gone... I want to make some changes, like, yeah. and I, and I, and, I really, and I do hope that what comes out is not just that we all get obsessed about our churches looking like IKEA because that's irrelevant, but that may, maybe the stuff that has made church look monocultural and inaccessible to younger generations because it just looks like a, an old people's waiting room, mm. but you know. And I and I and I don't mean that we shouldn't have chairs for people that are comfortable, but I think we need to recognise how monocultural our churches look. They they. And it's not just an 18-year-old that goes, what, you've got plastic flowers and lots of bits of paper and notice boards and those horrible chairs and those horrible cups. Like It's not just teenagers that feel that doesn't make sense to them. But I wonder if a number of churches are going, now is our time to actually just rethink we've got to rethink how the chairs are laid out because of social distancing anyway maybe we can get rid of the obsession we have about chairs in rows we could have like sofas and we could have bunches of chairs and we could really so I and I wonder if that that thinking which isn't where it must end but I do wonder whether that thinking might release a little bit of prophetic imagination and hopeful dreaming for, for what Church leaders would really love to see when they look out at their congregation. I think the average church leader, whoever they are, is desperately gutted that there aren't teenagers sat in front of them, that, that they don't have teenagers in their church community. And I wonder if it's been a wake up call actually when they've looked at who's connected on Zoom and there's not a young face there. I i, I think there might be, you know, we love our older folk, we love our elderly congregation, we, we love the way they serve young people and they're, they are brilliant volunteers often. They're some of our best volunteers, but I, I really hope that coming out of this, we'll, we'll have a hunger to see the church look different, more diverse, more diverse of ages and ethnicities. and yeah, so I'm, I, I'm, I do feel quite excited at this point.: I' in the wonder, emerging from lockdown.
1: <laughs> I wonder where you start if you are somebody who finds themselves in, that, in the category you've just described there. Mm. and you think I want to make some changes around here but you maybe don't have a a history of working with young people Mm. how do you even get going like what is there Mm. for you if you don't know the subculture of youth ministry you you Mm. don't even really lots of people don't even know I mean goodness we spend our lives explaining what youth ministry is to people yeah but there's loads of people within the church that don't understand what youth ministry is so um so how how do you get how do you get started if you find yourself there? Well, I, guess-
2: I yeah, I think, I mean, I haven't got any answers, what? easy answers. Well, how do you not know well, have really no, an answer
1: to I the have, I've not warned you about?
2: <laughs> I've got all the answers. But, um, and, and everyone listening to this is, is doing it, aren't they? They're the ones yep. at, the, at the front line of this, so they know all the answers. So um, here's my little tuppence <laughs> worth of an answer to your question, Martin. I, I, I guess that actually even churches that have youth ministry going into lockdown, Every church at the moment is in the same position of saying, I'm not quite sure when the doors reopen ha- where the young people will be. And we might have been able to keep contact with the really core young people, which is most of our experience, isn't it? We've lost our mm. fringe, But pretty much every church has lost contact with young people from local schools, people throwing units, detached youth work. So actually in a way, there's a levelling of the playing field. Um, and, I, and I think if you are a church leader and you're listening to this and you haven't got youth ministry, you're very unusual. So well done, thank you for listening. But actually this is a brilliant opportunity to say that we're at the same starting blocks as lots of others actually. And, and our, who are the young people locally that we could build in our, into our youth ministry? Mm-hmm. That's, that's a really exciting opportunity um and we obviously at youthscape we do stuff like launchpad which is all about helping churches get youth ministry going and growing but i think this is such a unique i don't know if in our lifetime again martin we're going to see this same opportunity and i know we hate that word mm. but i really don't think we're going to see it again quite as clearly as there is now and i really want every church to grab it that's my heart really yeah i before the doors open in these few weeks before the doors open how do we get every church leader's ear and say to them and whisper in their ear, now it's your chance. <laughs> Dream bigger for, young, for youth ministry now. Do it now. How do we do it, Martin? <laughs> How do I, we get
1: to them? I think we should run a large-scale online conference.
2: Oh, oh I love it! All roads, all roads <laughs> lead
0: to. Uh,
1: no, no, it's not, but uh, but we do need to talk a little bit about, uh, our event, which is taking place on the 16th and 17th of July, uh, which is called, I'll do it for you, Rachel, cause you won't know.
2: I know it.
1: it do you? Go on there. What's it called?
2: Now what? Oh,
1: brilliant. You've, you've nailed it. At last. I did it
2: on my arm. Did you there. write it?
1: Did you write a note? Yeah. Be honest. Did you write wrote a note? I a note. Yeah? Yes, I did. It's, really so it's called. It. It's called Now What? Uh, You can register for free right now, youthscape.co.uk slash nowwhat. If you do so, you will get a free resource sent to you via email, um, which otherwise you're going to have to buy. So it's definitely worth registering in advance. And we've we've actually got some details to share this time. (laughs) Uh, We've actually got news.
2: Martin's done his homework. That was your task after the back of the last podcast. (laughs)
1: Uh, Yes. I have an, I have th- I have an announcement to make. So, um, so first of all, do you know the pair of goons that they've got hosting this thing?
2: I do. Oh, I'm very God. excited because it means a trip to Luton for me, which I'm very excited about. Yeah. 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 Me, so, me.
1: so you and I are making the dangerous transition to video, yes. um, which we've tried, we've dabbled with before and uh, with, with mixed <laughs> results. Uh, but we've got some brilliant people joining us. And, uh, and so I can just tell you a few of the people who are going oh, to be sharing. Right. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I think I'm allowed to say that, uh, that the Reverend Chris Russell is <gasps> speaking. Uh, so uh, he is um, the Archbishop of Canterbury's advisor on evangelism and, and witness and just the most amazing, amazing. guy and yes. communicator. Uh, and so he's going to be speaking. Uh, Laura Hancock's going to be joining us. Uh, Dr. Kate Middleton will be speaking. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Tim Alford from uh, Elium Limitless is going to be yeah. speaking. Uh, Azandi Mfeli from Alpha is going to be joining us. Uh, oh. and, and also... A host of others from Esther other Swafferbraid,
2: oh, joining us yeah. Yes, yes of course. It's
1: that was the one favorite. I announced last time. I was, yeah. So, um, so yeah. So we've got a we've got a really great lineup, and it's growing all the time of people who want to come and share and get involved in a big, a really big, as it turns out, conversation. Mm. Um, so we have uh, lots and lots of people. Like, a, I don't want to use the word unprecedented here, but way more people booked into this. Yeah than we ever imagined um which is really exciting um it's not you'll be pleased to say it's not happening on zoom so it's not like Mm. you're gonna see um you know everybody's faces yeah yeah and and everyone will be like literally every five seconds someone will be like is it is your mic
2: can you (laughs) can you hear me can you I know. Can, we, can we just have one stream that is that for all of us that actually genuinely quite like you know, absolutely the car crash that is yes. all of us on. <laughs> it's going
1: to be on, it's, it's going to be on YouTube actually,
2: and it's live content, which I think is worth saying because I think yeah. lots of us who are youth workers we're used we're used to both at the moment creating content. In advance, and we're also the live content. And we we all know that although great stuff can be created beforehand, there's something a little bit more dynamic, immediate in the moment of having someone. You're listening to what they're saying currently, and yes. and and I think we really wanted that spirit of it. Like no one's getting prior listening and checking. We're all this is we're all going through this together at the same time, which I think is really so. Important.
1: Yeah. So we are we're doing everything we can to make the technology work. This yeah. very week, I've been uh, witness to one of those absolute technological Zoom-based disasters in youth work. I'm sure many people have experienced. Oh. I've done it. It's happened to me multiple times, as I've talked yes. about on the podcast. But I had a it all crashed last night. It was uh, horrendous. Um, it all fell apart. But we are taking lots of steps to make sure that that doesn't happen. So you can kind of have a little bit of faith that this is going to be quite robust. You and I are going to be in a studio. Which is very exciting, so exciting. will of course be one meter plus apart at all times
2: yeah absolutely um, so can you send me a mood board of what i should be wearing please is that okay i
1: i would never <laughs> i would never be so bold as to suggest your attire
2: no pajamas under your t-shirt number no. one
1: no no no. <laughs>
2: put deodorant on number that, two
1: <laughs> i would have felt that would have just been filed under yeah, common sense I think, frankly
2: i think but i do think we shouldn't take anything for granted
1: so let, let me just tell you how it's going to work so on thursday the 16th uh at eight o'clock you're going to be able to log on to the for the first time to the now what live stream which will be hosted by us from butte mills in luton long in, the evening. in the evening eight in the evening eight p.m Mm-hmm. Um, until 10pm, we'll have our first session and there'll be a whole bunch of speakers uh, appearing live with us in the in the room and some over Zoom and all sorts of other things. Um, and then after that, we've got a really fun thing going on, which is we've got our kind of ITV2 after show, which is going to be hosted by Jamie Cutteridge uh, in a different part of the building. That's very exciting, isn't it?
2: oh it's gonna be so good
1: there you're going to be able to kind of uh relax a little bit it's going to be there'll be some fun games fun things going on a bit of silliness little kind of after hours like we would have at the national youth ministry weekend or or something like that um and then uh we've also got on the on the the second day on the friday we've got a, a session like that first thing in the morning then some seminars through the day some opportunities to do some coaching with uh Mike Palin yes. and this fabulous uh, group mm-hmm. of, of coaches um so you'll be able to either as an individual or as a team you'll be able to sit and have a half hour coaching session and that's then really nice. finally in the evening on Friday we'll have our last session again uh eight till ten and uh, we've got some amazing stuff we're saving some of the best stuff to last so it's oh. really amazing how quickly that's come together
2: Really? Oh, I like it. It's,
1: it's completely free. I wouldn't use oh, it's gonna be so we good. Register.
2: I know. And 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 you can I mean you can dip in at any point over those is it 20, It's 24 hours, isn't it? I'm so bad at maths. Um, yes. You can come in at any point. But, but actually, if, if there's any way you can... I know our lovely youth pastor, Beth, at Preston-Minster, she's trying to get R2. And she sent an email around saying, wait, have you heard of this, everybody? We're going to connect. So I just thought I had to reply saying, oh, I'm really happy that we're that we connected." <laughs> like, <but> I couldn't <laughs> be like, oh, I'm not going to be around. So, um, so I think as, as a youth team, they're, they're going to be sort of trying to do as much of this together as much as possible, which I'm really excited about. Of course, running all the way through this is this brilliant manual that the team have put together, which is brilliant and these are different activities to sort of um unpack the journey of of, i'm not not going to go into it now but i think sort of running alongside there'll be some genuine work that you can do with your team that means that you know listening to the spirit and having an awesome time and getting great wisdom but also the work that you do as a team means that coming out of it i think people are going to have a really robust sort of plan for what's next which is really exciting that's great we should call we should call the event what's next
1: no we shouldn't so that resource is the thing that you get for free if you register you in advance. Registered. So just go now to youthscape.co.uk. Do it
2: now, people. Slash now. now
1: Now what? Do it now. Yeah, okay. Uh, and if you fill in your the details there, you will be emailed uh, a PDF that you can print or have on your screen. It's up to you. Um, of all the activities to run through. And it's, like, it's substantial as well. It's not like four pages. It's like a proper... Um, uh, proper workbook. So um, we hope that's really helpful. So look, it's time for our guest interview. Uh, This week, I caught up with Madeline Davis, who is the features editor of the Church Times. At the moment, she is on maternity leave, uh, but she's just had a book come out, and it's a book for young people looking at loss and grief. Could anything be more timely right now? Here's the interview. Well, I'm very excited about my guest on the Youthscape podcast today, partly because um, I am a huge fan of her work, not, not, her, not her day job, but her work on Twitter. And uh, I, know, I know many of our listeners are not tweeters, but, um, but if you're a tweeter like me, then this is like meeting a celebrity tweeter. So um, it's sort of a weird intro to give you, but uh, welcome to the podcast, Madeline Davies.
0: <laughs> Thank you, Martin.
1: So, uh, so Madeline, you are the, the features editor of the Church Times. That is your sort of official job, but you're so much more than that. Yeah. Because you're also addicted to Twitter, and, I am, and and so that's how we first met is is through kind of talk, sort of wittering to each other on there.
0: It is, and I was a massive fan of your article on uh, '90s worship music, yeah. many of which I share your love for. So this
1: is where I thought we'd start. So because um, yeah. you know you've you've written a book, and actually all of this later on will apply to youth ministry. I promise, but. I thought I would share, we're not quite the same age, but we, we have some sort of crossover experience of growing up yes. in youth group in, in the 90s and, and noughties. And, yeah. Um, and so, uh, so, yeah, so you were a church youth group kid, weren't you?
0: I was, yes. And, and
1: was that a positive, like, would you look back on that with fondness?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things I thought about is that I really appreciate that, um, that several books have come out and people have reflected on some quite sort of negative experiences of growing up in in the evangelical world, Mm. um, which I think it's really important that we hear. Um, My experience was actually overwhelmingly positive. um, And actually writing the book led me to reflect on growing up as a teenager in church and really... um, what a great place my youth group was. Um, I met my best friend there. Um, the youth leaders who, looking back, you know, were so young and were volunteers doing it for no money and probably a lot of hardship um, in terms of um, dealing with us. So kind of generous with their time. So my experience was overwhelmingly positive. I think that's great.
1: I think we do often reflect uh, the, was, is it? Or is a guy called Joshua Harris? Have I just pulled that name out of
0: yeah out yeah. of
1: nowhere? Um, you know, who wrote uh, about his dating book that he'd written, and, and lots mm. of people kind of reflected on that '90s kind of sex and relationships ethic that that were taught yeah. in some youth groups. And I think you're right. I think yeah. sometimes we're allowing that to cloud some amazing years of youth ministry that took place. Did you did you um, did you kind of find faith? In, in that context, or were you kind of always no. growing up in a Christian home?
0: Yeah, so I'm... I mean, if you look statistically, most Christians in the UK grew up in a Christian family, and that applies to me as well. So I grew up with two um, sort of passionate church-going Christians. So the youth group was just kind of an extension of that. We we found a church which um, brilliantly had a large number of kids and teenagers, and I kind of fell into that group. Um, so, But it was kind of the place probably where... Um, as I say, I'm my best my best friend, and where I had a lot of conversations, um, which were very formative to my faith.
1: Yeah, and and then you obviously retained faith, um, you know, because that's why I kind of we're having this conversation now. You retained faith into your your adult life. What yeah. would you say? Like, would you say that the youth group played a a, a part in that, or, or or actually, you know, was that? But was it just a lovely place to be? Did did did? Yeah. You this youth group cultivated long-term faith for you.
0: I think it did. I think what I've reflected on is that it actually can be quite lonely and strange being a Christian teenager in the UK. Probably now even more so than the '90s because, um, if the sort of statistics are to be believed, the numbers are going down. But mm-hmm. I don't think it was unusual to be sort of the only church-going Christian. Um, in your class at school or or possibly even the year and so I think the the brilliant thing about the youth group was it was a place where you met other people your age who had this kind of similar um, world view that that wasn't weird it was something that they shared um, and it was kind of a safe place where you could talk about God you could talk about prayer um, and not feel as if you were sort of articulating something very strange and and weird and and obviously not very cool either.
1: I don't say that. <laughs> I mean, did you not have the you know some Christian t-shirts? I mean certainly I With,
0: within my I eye did. view of this room, I can see my colour coded Steve chalk endorsed youth Bible so that was you
1: know what yeah. that is that is an amazing callback because <laughs> i think i think possibly millions of copies of that were printed because i i still yeah. see that everywhere i mean I, today.
0: I was um i was a very conscientious member of the group so mine's actually color-coded in a series of crayons um referring to different scenes of the bible so i wish i could hold it up to the camera right now
1: that is extraordinary
0: <laughs> so um,
1: so Changing tack a little bit, you um, yeah. you had quite a traumatic uh, teenage years, didn't you? Um, yeah. Because of uh, the, kind of the thing we're going to go on to talk about and, and the subject of your book. So do you just want to tell us, yeah, what happened and, and, and what it was like processing all of that in the context of a, of a Christian family, Christian group?
0: Yeah. So when I was 10, my mum was diagnosed with cancer. Um, and she died when I was 12. So although there were times during those two years where she was being treated and she was better, um, it was basically two years in which she was dying. Um, and so really, one of the things that I reflect in terms of the youth group was how supportive the youth leaders were through that and actually when I was reading the book I found a lot of letters which the female youth leader Claire had written to me um, many years after that had happened um, which is really special um, looking back Um, and I suppose one of the reasons I wanted to write the book is I think that an early loss like that has so many implications for your faith Um, I mean, we were from a very sort of charismatic background. So we prayed for my mum to be healed. Um, we visited a Christian healer. Um, you know, there was, you know, the the sort of prayer chain at church. So lots of people were praying for her to get better and she didn't. Um, and I think that does leave you with a lot of questions about suffering, about what happens when we die, um, where God is. Um, so my faith it has always been very tied up with what happened um, and I don't know if that's morbid but um, it, it, the two were very intertwined for me. Of course and
1: so um, you've mentioned it a couple of times so you've actually written a book on, yeah. um, inspired by your journey so do you just want to tell us um, just tell us about the book?
0: Yeah, so it's called Lights for the Path, A Guide Through Grief, Pain and Loss. Um, it tells my own story, which I've just sort of briefly summarised. And then what I did was interview um, just over 10 people who had also been bereaved as teenagers um, in different ways. Um, so not all of them had lost somebody to an illness like my mum. Some people had um, had relatives take their own lives or die very suddenly suddenly. Um, I interviewed people who lost siblings as well as parents um, and really just asked them to describe what had happened. Um, generally, there was a faith perspective. So what it had done to their faith, where they thought God was in their grief. And the idea behind the title, Lights for the Path, is, I guess, what lights would they hand on to a reader who is at the start of that bereavement journey? Is there anything that they wish they had known as a teenager, which, which might be helpful today? Mm.
1: And so I guess you've written it as something that can be handed to a young person who is processing some of those, uh, one of those moments of, of great loss and grief. Is that, yes. is that kind of the primary intention of the book?
0: Yeah. So the audience is young adults, um, 11 to 18. And I've tried to, I guess, try to go back into my mindset as a teenager and write in a way that hope is um, kind of accessible for that age group. Um, But I'm also hoping that it might be helpful for people who are supporting young people. So I'm thinking as the youth leaders who came alongside me. I was also hoping that it might be helpful for them to think, um, here are some stories, maybe they apply to the young person I'm supporting. I also interviewed a number of theologians and counsellors, people who have expertise in bereavement. Um, So I'm hoping they might be able to kind of draw on that wisdom as well. Um, I mean, I, I do think the most important is, is, thing is literally just being there. I don't think you have to be an expert in grief to support a young person, but I have tried to include some kind of academic stuff in there as well.
1: I guess the um, the starting point for a book like yours might be um, the, st- the stuff you wish you'd had at the time. Yes. Is there an element yeah. of that?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think... Um, I mean, it's uh, child bereavement isn't as unusual as I think people think it is. There probably um, would be kind of one person in every class who would yeah. lose, um, lose a parent by um, sort of adulthood. Um, but I think as a young person, I did feel very unusual and very alone. And it, it does kind of become your identity. So at school, you are the person whose mum died. Mm. Um, and you feel quite labeled by it. And so I wanted to write a book that would have made me feel less alone. It would have um, given me stories of other people, my age who were going through this enormous thing. Um, And also I tried to sort of explore some of the theological questions that I was wrestling with. And I think sort of understandably, death and grief and heaven and suffering might not be major themes of your average youth group, Mm. but they are the most urgent questions you have when you watch someone die. Um, And they feel very morbid when you're at that age. You're supposed to be thinking about everything that is to come. You're supposed to be very excited about growing up. and you feel very unusual that you're being troubled by these huge existential questions about mortality. But I, I do think it's really important that we engage with them.
1: Just, just to be clear, this is a book that, um, that, that actually presents a sort of Christian perspective on, on, on grief yes. and loss. Is that right? Because I've seen, yeah. I, I stalked your Amazon page. Um, <laughs> Did you? And like, like me, I recently had a visitor who gave me a one-star review uh, right. because my book had Jesus on every page. Um, yeah. I'm not bitter about that at all. Yeah. Uh, but I noticed you'd also become victim of someone who thought it was a good book, but a shame about all the, the God stuff. Yeah. Um, but wear that as a badge of honour, I think. Be encouraged and yeah, be grateful I really, I, it's not I, a one-star. Yeah.
0: I really reflected on that because it was a consideration I had at the outset of the book, and I thought will this actually have a wider readership if I just exclude God from it? Um, And will it alienate people who um, are either not Christians or actively have a problem with Christianity? But I think my point earlier about feeling very lonely being a Christian teenager um, really decided it for me. And I thought not only did I feel a bit alone being a Christian teenager, I felt especially alone alone kind of dealing with grief, um, but actually believing in heaven, believing in God, prayer being a massive part of my grieving process. And that, you know, I did have this faith that ultimately my mum was with God and that I would see her again. Mm. And that can be quite lonely holding on to that belief when you're aware that most people your age group don't necessarily share that faith and might even find it a bit weird and so I thought actually I want to write a book for young people who who do have a faith or who do have theological questions because I think I think they deserve something as well.
1: Yeah yeah well I mean I recommend you uh, read Madeline's work because she's an excellent writer and not just on Twitter you are very good on Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but you also wrote, uh, an article, which I saw being shared everywhere, uh, recently about the experience of, um, of having a baby, um, during, uh, during the kind of coronavirus outbreak, um, and the sort of unique experience, um, of, of that. I I wasn't going to go into it, but actually it's so fascinating. It's such a great article. Um, as you reflected on that, like, um, that must've been, that must've been one of the strangest things to have, uh. As, yeah. as, the pandem- as the pandemic goes on, everyone's worried about death to be bringing new life into the world.
0: Yeah, it, it was very strange, and... Um... Yeah, I just remember that as soon as the news came that it was going to be very serious in the UK and that we were probably going to go into lockdown, I think because everybody knew that I was pregnant, there were a lot of people contacting me and my husband to say, oh my gosh, is is mads okay? Um, I think weirdly, I mean, I'm one of those people that's quite anxious. And I've read a few articles saying that anxious people have not found the pandemic and the lockdown as, as challenging as they might. Because actually, if you live in a state of worry and anxiety and kind of fearing the worst, when something like this happens, it is in a way a continuation of your normal kind of world view. And I think that was probably a little bit true for me in that wow. I was already a little bit anxious about the pregnancy. Um, it had brought up a lot of feelings about my mum. And so... You know, although it was a bit stressful <laughs> giving birth in these conditions, um, I, I, it kind of didn't kind of knock me as, as much as it might have done. And and actually, in terms of the the hospital and the maternity unit and the nurses, you know, they were bringing a new life into the world and seeing new babies born every day, which I just think is ultimately a sign of hope and mm-hmm. looking forward to the future. Um, so, yeah, it was a very surreal experience.
1: Well, that was a long way of saying you'd read yeah. everything Madeline writes. And, <laughs> uh, and so, so uh, just remind us of uh, the title of the book and publisher and things like that, just so people yes. can find it.
0: Yeah, it's Lights for the Path, A Guide Through Grief, Pain and Loss. And it's published by SBCK.
1: And just before you go, I just wondered uh, if you had any thoughts on... What it, um, you know, there'll be a lot of people listening to this who are having to help young people think about these very themes of grief and loss at the moment. Perhaps not, um, it might not be a parent who's died, but certainly a lot of people will have lost grandparents or other yeah. older family members in this time. Have you got any thoughts on how, how best to pastor young people who are experiencing this stuff?
0: Yeah, I mean, one of the things I mentioned in the book is that Youthscape did a fantastic report, No Questions Asked, um, and I was really interested to note in the report that one of the, the few areas where young people did have existing questions um, and were curious was death and the afterlife, and the and the report notes that that's not usually the starting point for conversations with young people, but perhaps we need to rethink that, um, and so I think sort of even... Before the pandemic, I think possibly there was an appetite for those conversations. I think this is, um, as you say, a lot of young people may have lost, particularly grandparents. Um, and so I think it's it's helpful to... Um, to make those conversations about death and the afterlife more normal and to give young people space just to articulate whatever thoughts are on their mind. One of the things that comes across in the book from interviews is that sometimes young people worry that the way that they are grieving is in some way not normal, that there should be some sort of approved way of doing it. Mm. And they often need to be reassured that whatever they're feeling um, is acceptable is normal. There isn't um, kind of only one way to grieve. And so I think it's just reassuring people that whatever feelings or questions they have, um, it's okay to articulate articulate them. They are normal. Um, And ultimately, I think not being afraid to talk about the Christian hope as well. I think really ultimately what got me through what happened to me was believing that, The Bible's promises about what happens when we die and um, going to be with God were true, were a foundation that you could build your life upon. And so I think as sensitive as we have to be to people's grief and anger and sadness, um, ultimately offering that reassurance that we do. Ultimately, the Christian vision is a hopeful one. And I think just offering young people that vision is really important. Uh,
1: that feels like a wonderful place to end. Thank you so much for those insights. Uh, I do encourage you to check out Madeline's book, but thank you, Madeline, for joining us on the podcast today.
0: Thanks so much. Thanks,
2: Martin, for that. And it sounds like a book that is unbelievably timely for, for this moment. So, c- can you give us the details? If we wanted to grab hold of Madeline's book,
1: how, yes.
2: how could we do that?
1: Uh, it's called Lights for the Path by Madeline Davis. And, uh, it is, uh, published by SBCK, and you can find it in all good bookstores that sell Christian books, which is not all good bookstores, but you can get it online if not. (laughs) So I've been sent a message from producer Amy who, you know, cannot wait, frankly, to take a scythe to this overblown recording we've just done for the last four hours. Um, and she's (laughs) just asked me as we finish, uh, whether we can ask people to do a couple of things. Ooh. And uh, she asked, could we get people to subscribe to the podcast at youthscape.co.uk slash podcast? If you've enjoyed listening to this, if you like listening to it, but you use some other mechanism, would you mind subscribing to the podcast? And then we will be able to let you know about special editions. and all sorts. And also, um, let me yes. say it right now, secret plans for the future oh. that we have.
2: Wow! Secret plans unveiled for the future of the podcast because we've been going for two years, haven't yeah, we? and at least at least two years, and uh, and it's been so fun journeying with our youth ministry tribe friends. But we we feel that probably we need to kind of innovate, yeah. pivot, yeah. Martin, no, We need to... no oh, no, pivot. no pivoting.
1: No pivot innovation. Innovate is fine. Right.
2: Also, so and subscribe and then you'll get that intel nice and early. Great. Also,
1: also uh, yes. we know lots of people listen to this, but uh, people don't do reviews. And reviews are really helpful because they help other people find uh, the podcast. So if you have the facility on your podcast listening platform to write a review, it would make mm. a disproportionately wonderful impact on our days, weeks, months and lives and on the future, egos, and egos <laughs> and the very future of this podcast if you would write us a review that would be really helpful uh, Amy sent me that message just before we started because I was trying to talk to you one handed I tried to send her the thumbs up emoji and instead I managed to send her the me emoji you know the apple of emo- your own face okay, okay. But yeah but I sent her the one with hearts across my eyes ah! I think means like I love you or something like that In-
2: Oh my, I mean, it's declaring unending love. If she gets that when she just asks you to give a notice, she's going to be afraid to send you anything else more meaningful in the future. Oh my goodness. Amy,
1: I like you as a friend, but that's as far as it (laughs) goes. And I apologise for suggesting anything other than that. I think it's probably time for us to innovate off now. (laughs) It (laughs)
0: is. And do something
2: else brilliant okay well have a wonderful evening remember to register for now Watch so you get your free channel remember to subscribe so you can get the cheeky intel ahead of time remember to rest as well dear friends because this has been a crazy crazy season and there's lots of exciting things ahead so make sure you get your rest in that's it from me that's it from martin goodbye mm-hmm.